What are we going to talk about? This is, by the way, already the intro. Hi, oh. my name is Jason Camisa, and he is Derek Tam hyphen Scott, and this is episode number 70 of the Carmudgeon Show, which is part of the Haggerty Podcast Network. Do you think? Uh, in this episode, we clap. Yay. <laughs> Applause. And <laughs> then we discuss... Uh, the best sounding noises, car cylinder count engines, uh, street cars. Did you just vomit grammar all <laughs> Those over? Are all, no, I, that was the absence of grammar, but it was a lot of words. <laughs> uh, car noises. We talk about car noises. We talk about, uh, we get a van update, of course, because what Carmudgeon episode would be complete without a van up- update from Jason. And I briefly mention that I've purchased a new car. And then we talk about the GV70. No, and no, no. the Lexus yes. GV60 and the Lexus LS400, the original one. Yes. But I think we come to a pretty clear agreement on what the best sounding car ever made is. So it's road a big car? Road car. Yeah. Um, I would, uh, yeah, sure. We I can we, call it that. Should we talk about what cars those are going to be? I no. guess it's going to be, no, it's in the title and the thumbnail. They already seen it. Uh, Don't waste Porsche, your words. Porsche, GT, and Lexus LFA. The end. Are you recording? Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck. All That's right. how we started the episode. Are you recording? Oh, fuck. That's it. You found it, okay? Mark that. Mark that. And we're back. <clears throat> Are you done from eating? Out of mostly, space? Were you just going to say from outer space? No. Oh, because then we could have gone back to the old Carmudgeon style where I oh, sing. Oh, singing. Um, just walked in to find you here with that sad look upon your face. Should have changed the locks. I should have made you leave your key. Instead, you're sitting there. If I'd have known for just one second, you'd be back to bother me. You're not supposed to drink. I, I mean, yeah, you're doing a great job. Go Carry on. on. Mm. Um, Welcome to... I have, oh, we already did that. Yeah, this is a, a large coffee and I'm waiting for it to kick in, which means I might need a bathroom break. <laughs> so or this episode's going to be six minutes. Blood should... Could, I'm not awake yet. God, why are we doing these so early? I don't know. Why are we doing these so early? Because I have too much other crap to do. Uh, I just mm. got back from a shoot where the new camera van made its first appearance. Uh, it, uh, does it appear in the shoot? No. or No, it appeared at the shoot. At the shoot. At the shoot. So uh, as the shoot. if those of you keeping track, I bought a 2019 Dodge Grand Caravan. It's from Detroit, so as we said, Grand. I bought something new recently too. But first, finish your story. Uh, way to hijack my caravan. No, no, no. Tell us about the caravan. We all are deeply invested in this the caravan a, this on a... Trofeo R's or whatever they thought. <laughs> well, that's right. I brought it up the last time that you can't get really good aggressive. AS4s. Uh, yeah, you can't get really good tires on the on the 17s. So I bought a set of 18s. and They then fit? I, they fit, which mm. was funny because I've never had a car before where you go to tire rack and or uh, you go to like the internet and ask, hey, do these wheels fit? And not get an answer, but apparently no one does wheel upgrades on Dodge Grand Caravans. Um, and they did change bolt pattern at some point in the last couple of years, and then they became fleet only. And so there's just no resources for this van, which is very strange. You are adding genuine value to the internet community <clears throat> by, by telling, telling you people that, that what Chrysler, upgrades fit. <laughs> Chrysler Pacifica wheels fit. They're a different offset and they're a different width and whatever. And and so Dodge uh, Tire Rack does have like, you know, a, a, you can buy an aftermarket wheel kind of a deal thing. And it, it shows that some there's one wheel out of like the 20 that are available that will fit both uh, a Pacifica and a Grand Caravan. And I'm like, okay, well, that's proof positive. I'll just buy them. So I bought the wheels. I plastidipped them. Because you can't have bright wheels and reflecting in cars. It's a camera sure. car. And Michelin sent over a set of Pilot Sport all-season fours. Very and good tires, those. They're really good. I, this is my first experience with AS4s. Are they quiet? So I have AS3 Pluses on my mom's Golf that I used for that range test. And so we're just kind of going through that. And I'll do a follow-up post on those. They're amazing. Because they just they break away like fall seasons. But they grip 1.0 G on a Golf. On an E-Golf. And so he's like, get these tires on. And I picked up the van from the AC shop because it needed an expansion valve for the rear air conditioning because they have two zones of air conditioning because luxury. And uh, and I flung it into this on-ramp, which I fling a lot of cars in. There's a lot of room to gather it up. And I thought, nothing's going to happen. I almost hit the inside curb because <laughs> I thought it was going to slide. 
and it didn't. Mm. And you know, like when you get new tires, they have the, the mold release compound on them and they're always yes, a little bit a little slick. And, and they're like, be gentle for the first 50 miles. Right. And they always have like full tread depth. So a little bit squirrely and squishy and none of that. And I'm like, eh, so this is going to be totally fine. Threw it right the fucking in the corner. And one of the other, so I had the old 17s in the back that were all lying flat. So I figured I can just do whatever I want and it's not going to be an issue. It generated so much G-force in my van that one of them lifted themselves up and slammed into the side of the fucking cargo room and made quite an imprint in the um, very, very hard plastic. Um, well, yeah, holy shit, the grip. So the complaint from the um, uh, from the camera crew was the seats are no longer supportive enough to deal oh, with. So the now you of have grip. to do six uh, Ricaros. Ricaros. But I don't think you can get you can't stow flip and go, and flip, and <laughs> flip, and fuck, flip and fuck yeah, Ricaros, Ricaros yeah. into the cargo. For well, my response was very simple to the to Taylor, our, you know, who was driving the camera car. Just don't go so fast. Like, you don't have to slide around the corners. But the nice thing is the thing can now keep up with sports cars around corners. Um, and then we did, WeatherTech sent a beautiful set, which I'm going to have to get a stock photo because I haven't taken a picture of it yet. A beautiful set of those like indestructible mats, mm-hmm. you know, and when it was the laser measured ones or whatever. Yes. And so when it, someone else's van, like an enterprise van that we were wrecking, I didn't really care about the interior, but now I have to clean this thing when we're done. And so I put the WeatherTech mats on and the crew destroyed them. I mean, they just get it. We're getting out. The van is usually parked on the side of the track. And so they're, you know, they're stepping in dirt and who knows what the fuck else and and they get carcasses in carcasses car- of coyotes yeah well the carcasses that the coyotes left of all the cats and other small animals they ate um yeah so hose it right out it's perfect so uh the van worked let's see how long the transmission lasts let's we can start like an internet pool to see how long <laughs> a sixty-one thousand mile chrysler transmission this lasts. is the uh heritage that joins them to the original caravans it has been a persistent caravan feature since always transmission failures right yeah was that true of the K-car-based ones, too? I think so. It's just been like an ongoing feature. I'm a little bit nervous. Got to get the manual. The manual turbo. Yeah, but that no, you can't have a turbo as a camera car because you can't no, work no, no, around no. the lag. I was talking about the first-generation manual turbo, the world's most collectible minivan. I know. The problem is, and I would have one as a camera van, because, but you can't have a turbo because you can't deal with the lag. When you need to accelerate, you need to accelerate now. And so that... that, that 2019 Grand Caravan's naturally aspirated 3.6 liter quad cam V6 responds instantly. Okay. Um, anyway, so it worked. We'll see how, see what breaks first. But um, this has been the van update. This is the van update. Also, my van comes standard with a cat. Catalytic we, converter or no. like meow? No, I have a really cute video of a cat that's I'll show you, you later, but you guys can see it now. Of Just a question. Does your camera van come standard? With a pussycat? Because mine does. Uh, the sort of, we stayed in an Airbnb for this last shoot, and there was a, a cat that lived there outside. And anytime you opened a car door, he just ran in. It was like, oh, what's this? Is this something cool to explore? Didn't pee or anything. He was really cute, really okay. kitten, young kitten. And he was clean, cleaning himself on the dashboard. Like I look over and I'm like, my van has a pussycat in it. Okay. So anyway. You should name him and make him like your. Uh mascot call him town and country or something (laughs) no you wish it was a town and country that's the uh, aspirational name for the cat (laughs) he's just voyager (laughs) (laughs) dl with the plastic uh the bare plastic door handles it's not dl it's an sx no i know i know it's uh it's not a a hyundai i i think or or no, DX DL, is what I'm thinking. DX is that was for Honda, Honda yeah. um, for the black bumper. And DL black. was like an AMC Pacer. Oh, really? That was, but that meant deluxe, and they meant it. That got wood paneling. Oh. Sorry, wood paneling. Wood tone. Wood tone. Well, that's what wood plastic. That's what they would always call wood tone when it's fake wood. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a that's an early uh, John Davis Motor Week. Uh, ter- terminology, which I always thought was amusing. Wood tone. Okay. Wood tone. So we have wood tone and Corinthian leather. Yes. Fine, Neither fine, we, Corinthian leather. Yes, yes, fine, fine Corinthian, Corinthian leather. leather. If you guys don't know that, you should really look that up because that was that was. We wonderful. talk about it with some regularity. People, regular watchers should regular be watchers should Ricardo know Montalban. It. I mean, it's like an it's a it's a well known uh, internet uh, icon for people who are you like ninety four and old and know things that happened in the seventies. Yes. Holy shit! Well done. Thank you. I just threw my it coffee was from cup behind the three point line. <laughs> Definitely, that might have been a five point line. Anyway. Uh, today we're here to talk about, I don't know, hold on. You told me off record 
uh, off camera, whatever it's called, that you bought another car and you not, you're buying another car and you won't tell me what it is. I know. I'll tell you. I but just we, we just said hold the discussion until the camera is rolling. So um, I don't kill you? Is that like? No, <laughs> I mean, I don't. I don't think so. I'll kill a bitch on camera. Uh, it is. Are we going to do the Jason Camisa trick? It's front wheel drive. It uh, is <laughs> transversely mounted engine. Okay. Uh, it has a timing belt. Okay. Cams. It has a single cam. Okay. One carburetor. A carved front wheel drive single cam four cylinder. Yes. Okay. Front wheel drive. Is it French? Yes. Is that Citroen CX? Fuck. <laughs> yes. Damn, I should play on Jeopardy or some shit. Yeah. Uh, why? Uh, pourquoi? You'll see. I don't. Th I think that once you. Well, I think you'll hate it because it has no steering feel by design. That's not necessary on a on a Citroen. Does it have hydro pneumatique? Suspensions, yeah, uh, steering and suspension. Yeah. Well, yes, yes. It has the Duravi uh, steering, which is when you let go of the steering wheel, it returns to center by itself. Even at a stop. Even at a stop. So weird. It's very weird. Does it yes. have the, the, the pulse back brake button? Yes, it does that as well. So yeah, on all the Citroen hydro pneumatic cars, when you touch the brake pedal, it gives you a kick back as soon as you, as soon as yes. you put any pressure on There's it. There's also the travel on the brake pedals, probably like that much. Is it even that much? Maybe I guess less, from, yeah. it's probably less. In most situations, you're it's a pressure situation, not so it, it mod, you modulate brake activation with pressure, not with travel. Travel, yes. Which is fun. That was scared the shit out of me. You've driven an SM or no? I drove a, a Maserati Bora. And oh a yes, and a Dea, same thing. But uh, Bora yes. has has a real pedal that presses up against the button. Right? Was that what it was? I think it was. Yes. So you get the whereas the um, the DS has a little mushroom that the comes mushroom, out of the floor right. this has a regular hanging pedal so it's more like the maserati okay so but you've driven a ds i've driven a ds okay it's going to be very similar ah, that's so cool i don't yeah. need steering feel when you have that level of french fuckery well so it'll i don't know when it'll arrive it's on the other coast right now and it's getting a service so it'll come out here eventually and then what you can experience it what year is this pièce de magnifique it is a something also known as 6019 <laughs> yes if you're french or 1989 if you're an anglophone right? uh 79 uh, yes i'm sorry 79 it's 60 plus 19 60 plus 19 cool my yeah. french is c'est terrible well, on peut parler en français because for this whole episode. Uh, no, no, not this one. Not this the one, one with, avec the uh, CX if you want to. Uh, That's true. Okay. Make an episode about it. So but you've bought, you've purchased this or intended it. Uh, yes, uh, yes. Okay. I will be buying it. Okay. Re we reached terms. Uh, for the record, the reason that I guessed it very quickly was because you posted something to the, you hide nothing. Yes. You, you're constantly posting stuff. But stories. I wasn't shopping for uh, a car when I, this is always how it works. Buying cars, actually. Isn't that, that that old standard orange colored sky? See, you'll oh, notice yes. this is your. I was yes. walking along, minding my business. Uh, went out of the orange colored sky. Flash, bang, Alakazam. Wonderful, you came by, and that's you know. Yes, cars. Um, I mean, now I never have to shop for a car; they find me instead. Mm. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's great. We'll I, we'll we'll discuss it more at length after you've experienced it. In I can't wait. I'm genuinely excited about this. Yes. Uh, okay. Paolo is too. Look, he's asleep. <laughs> Please hide your excitement more. No, I, I like weird things. That's why we're friends. Yes, it is a car that is. Um, it is for. I don't know someone who's seen all. It's like going to. Uh, it's like kink, right? You just after you 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 need something progressively weirder to be, to you know, <laughs> what. <laughs> Okay, so now we this, this just learned episode. a little bit too much about this answer episode is sponsored by like whipsandchains.com or something. <laughs> the world's largest manufacturer. We should get an oil company. Never mind. Um, this episode has a topic and it's, it? it's none of these topics, Not, yeah, we which we have discussed. It is. Uh, so you have an upcoming episode on this. Is this right? Is this how this this happened recently? So. I don't remember the yes, but I did just spend time with a Carrera GT and a Lexus LFA, mm -hmm. um, which are, in my estimation, two of the five best sounding cars of all time. Mm. 
Interesting. And we're going to discuss what the other three are, because I'm really curious to see what you have to say. About what the other three best-sounding mm-hmm. cars are? Yeah, sorry, it's not a F-355. No, not from my standpoint. I mean, it's got to be some kind of really nasty V6, and that would mean either a Busso or a Ferrari. One of those. I think... I think that... I know, I know. Really? I, know. I think you, yes. That's where you go, V6, when we're talking the best-sounding engines of all time? It's just something that I really like. Um, a great... I mean, we've we've talked about the Busso at length, the, the Ferrari, like, Dino V6s in the race cars, like 206s. Yeah, but I'm talking street cars. Okay, fine. All right. But although, that Busso clip that we published a couple of weeks ago... Yeah, couple 147 ago, or whatever it was. shit. Yeah, so those are magnificent. I mean, let's see what else. Streetcar, you say? Mm-hmm. Like production road car. <sighs> I mean, what is the... Oh, TVR uh, Speed 6. Yes. Seriously? Yes. Okay. You're going straight for the six cylinders? I thought you were going to go for for way more cylinder count. Okay, so what's the best 12-cylinder car? Aventador. I think so. Without question. Here's the thing about the Aventador. It's It's got this... I can identify one always when I hear one in the distance. Strangely, me too, and, and it's... it's I call it a square wave exhaust note. And I don't know why I call it that. And I have no idea what that fucking means, but it just sounds very different. Um, it's got a, it's a little more guttural. Yeah. It sounds displacement-y cause it's a little deeper. Yeah. But it's got inside the car. This is the big letdown on Aventadors. It's that sounds like absolute garbage. Uh, you got to drive a roadster with the little window down. Yeah. But that's sad, but it sounds so good on the outside that I, I'm still going to put it on the list of the top five without question. Um, but it's that's probably the you, best sounding to V12. To you, that's the best sounding V12? It's pretty... But what about all the people who like ripping noises? You well... Know, it's not a r- real rippy no- motor. It's a, ye- a yelling motor. So a ripping motor... Um, that's like when you hear the A12. Yeah, or when you hear the Mercedes V12s with the equal length headers on them. If, if we were like allowed to say, car. yeah, if we were allowed to say modified, then that opens up that category to the W, like a W220 with a, with a three valve. Oh, three valve. I think they sound actually. The three valves sound better than four valves. I can't. I, yeah, there's a sweeter, sweeterness to the one. Look, I've I never heard one in person. I always hearing those turbocharged because almost all mm. of those are turbocharged. They were only naturally aspirated for like a mm. couple years, I think until 03. Didn't we make a deal when we were both at ECME that we were going to buy a, a 140, 140 with a naturally aspirated and have the exhaust system made yeah, yeah. because we have someone and a contact in Italy who's like yeah I could get one of those made for you can we get them to sponsor this episode and give us inst- <laughs> this episode is sponsored by hopefully sponsored by someone who can make us equal length headers for a Mercedes V12 that we do not need yeah, but that really noise of those things. Okay, yeah. so that's but a, that, you know, but yeah, that's if modified. You modify, then you open the door to VR sixes because out of the box they sound amazing. But but you know when you modify them, they sound holy shit. Then it's world class, but that doesn't count. So out of the box, the five nine nine GTO um, was Ferrari's first six into one header. v12 which then became the f12 which became the a12 and that's up there with the um with that uh lamborghini aventador what other v12 sound that good i mean McLaren f1 we, yes those are great those inside are and out great. uh yes I, i've been in one a lot of induction noise inside which is nice <laughs> sell going yes if we're going six cylinders yes but it's a little bit of um 
one trick pony. There's going to be a lot of video inserts. inserts. Yeah, I know. Sorry. Uh, it's a little bit of a one trick pony in that it's just a wall of induction noise. And like the mechanical noise of the car is like not that remarkable. Like at idle, those cars sound a little bit like tractory. I don't mind it. It's to me, the, the best part about a 300 SL is when you're on it, you get that ridiculous, genuinely yes. deafening induction noise. And it sounds yes. amazing. But it's yes. the harmonics of all of the other mechanical stuff in normal driving that makes it sound so amazing. So when you're driving, you know, just kind of keeping up with traffic and that sort of one to 3000 RPM sweep, you get the gear noise. It, it, all old cars yeah. are like that, though. But not most old cars. Right. But then most of them don't add that psychopathic induction, induction. noise. Yeah. Yes. yes um, that is true. Another uh, six-cylinder would be uh, S20? A, a Nissan S20. Oh, were you were literally about to yeah, say that. That was, was just what I was. Uh, that's yeah. top five best-sounding engines yeah. of all time for me. I agree. Too. S20s, which is funny because the cars n- don't usually feel that fast. So uh, and then, I mean, it's a very peaky motor, mm-hmm. so you have to rev the piss out of it to go yeah. anywhere which is nothing, great you get to listen to it nothing below five grand and then it's uh, from 50 i wrote once and i love this line from 5,000 to 7,500 it's cocaine and wasabi yeah yeah which would be quite a painful mixture okay I so imagine. that's inline sixes um v8s v8s you're gonna say nothing with a flat pen crank yeah i am that's true i don't dislike it but to me the beauty of a v8 is like you want the sort of like yeah the the uncivilizedness of it and so then it's like okay it's got to be like a 427 although there's that's that that's the uh, muscle car soundtrack what car am i thinking of that uh i mean like maserati v8s the quad the quad cams yep like in a quattroporte one that's not oh i was thinking quattroporte four or five the u.s car that's yes yes and you get that in an alpha 8c Mm mm-hmm and it sounds very good in an alpha 8c but also the old quad cam motor that was there i mean they used it in every damn car they made basically for like a 30 year period including the quattro the quattroporte one and quattroporte three and for the record there were 60 quattroportes two or 16 or something some ridiculous the twos yes yeah Yeah, there were like six of them or something and they are basically long sms to try and SMs. Right. Um, so those were... Which had a V6 that is not on this. Yeah. No. Not on this list. They're not terrible. Uh, other, like, great V8s. Sure. I mean, have you ever heard a... Uh, this is a race car, so I guess it doesn't count. But the M119, the Sauber C9 M119, it's mm. interesting because all the other Group C cars that are running around, well, you either have, like, Mazda 787s, which are just, like... Yeah. Insane. <laughs> Um, insane rotary noises or you have like Porsches and stuff like that and then you have the the Sauber C9. Which is like a big V8 noise and you hear it on... I'll I'll see if I can find this as an insert but those are really cool to hear in a Group C context because everything else is like very high-pitched and racy Mm. and those things sound like big honking V8s. Mm. Uh, okay, so what's your c- contender for V8s? I think I could probably, I don't know which one I would pick, one of the small blocks. GM small blocks have a, like where Mopars tend to be filthy, it's a dirty sound. GM small blocks make this music in the mid-range from the three to 4,000 RPM that no other V8s that do. Especially now. I'm talking about the modern uh, yeah, the modern LS. Um, and so they are, you know, they're great at idle because they, you know, the great startup bark and then that, you know, blah, 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 idle that you want. And then um, just all this music and then they scream. So uh, GM small blocks up there for me. Um, and the fact that they're, you know, reliable and cheap and easy and just they're the best V8 in the world. Um, I'm trying to think of other V8s in Germany. Yeah, I mean, you like know, all the know, sophisticated, like, quad cam, dual overhead cam, 32 valve. Exactly. Jobbies. Hyundai's Tau V8, of all things, right? I mean, it's it's quiet. It's, it's in the luxury cars, whatever. Holy fuck, the noise that that made. And it was just, it was, it reminded me of the Lexus V8 
So that's like mm. in the LC500, which is just, just like among the world's last remaining car naturally aspirated V8s yeah. that exist. Um, but with all this said, I think there's, and then obviously uh, four cylinder goes to Honda. I mean, take your pick. There's yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I yeah. love Any the way of the twin cam Hondas. Yeah. I love the way the, my VW 16 valve sound They're mm-hmm. I, It's a really pleasant, nice sound, but no contest. And then you get the like Abarth thing, which is muffled by a turbocharger and nothing else. It's well, not. It sounds best at idle. Yes. Idle's a 2000 RPM yeah. and then. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But the Honda, the, the B18C, no, it wasn't a K20A that was in that Series 1 Lotus Elise that, yes. that we were, giggled yeah. together in. Yes. Good spicy Lampretti twin cam four, mm-hmm. um, naturally Sounds aspirated, yeah, in like a one thirty one, for example, one ninety Cosworth. sounding engine. yeah so all intake and yes. mechanical no exhaust but actually a genuinely good sounding engine it's yeah. one of the most present motors that you've that you can get in a mercedes in the last 30 40 years 40 i guess i is. think even the v8s are less outspoken and all the amg stuff in the car than mm. a 2316 yeah it really I was quite a surprise yeah. for me was how much in, induction noise there is in that car and that makes it into the cabin too yes which is kind of strange all right so we've done all this, but we skipped five and ten cylinders. Yeah, for for, some you reason. save the best for last. Yeah. Uh, so I was talking to a musician. So we have a, a drag race coming up. That's uh, I don't know if I should tell you all the secrets, but whatever. It's all five and ten cylinders, and I'm, I titled the script the best sounding drag race of all time. Uh, so we had an Audi RS3, which is the last remaining five cylinder production gasoline engine. I think couldn't find another one. <laughs> Yeah, Volkswagen um, and I mean that, Volvo have all shit canned them. Mm-hmm. Mercedes doesn't have anything anymore. I looked for a long time. Yeah, Mercedes I can't, I looked everywhere it. and I couldn't find another production gasoline five cylinder or diesel for that record. But uh, but uh, that RS five sounds pretty pretty good. Um, and then we brought an, along a um, an old original Audi two hundred twenty valve turbo quattro. Um, um, not original. Well, it's the it, second. Yes, the generation. last of them. So that was one of the last the versions. The only 20 valve. Right. The last versions of the first ever. Do you realize that the Audi five-cylinder was the first production gasoline five-cylinder ever made? Hmm. And that the, would have come out in the late 70s, early 80s. Yes, early in 80s. In 10-valve form. And right before that was the first production five-cylinder diesel ever made. Mercedes, uh, Mercedes the OM617. Guess who did both of those? Ferdinand Piech, of course. And Let us tease the Piech episode <laughs> once again and then pass over this without doing it. I, I kind of feel like at this point, the last episode we ever do needs to be the Piech episode. <laughs> Piech episode? What do we call it? Piech episode. Um, yeah, because we've been te- teasing this for what, three years now? <laughs> Maybe longer. I haven't. How long are we doing this, Bob? 70 episodes. I don't know. Uh, I don't uh, know. There, aren't there people who are like in the hundreds and I'm just like, I don't know. Thousands. Really, I, I want to say Driving While Awesome is in like 2500 zone and. No. Yeah, some really? outrageous number. And then Matt Farah's in the millions at this point, <laughs> hundreds of millions. Um, but um, yeah, so so interestingly enough, there's one, the Audi was the first gasoline five-cylinder and they're now making the last five-cylinder five gas engine. Um, the 200 was the final, basically the final version of that first ever. And then... With a 10-valve head. Well, well sorry, 20-valve. 20, 20 yeah. mm-hmm. But then that motor, so that's the... Uh, 3B. 3B, and then the AAN, which is substantially the same motor, went into the C4S4, mm-hmm. and the RS2, and the S2, and... Same basic engine. Yes. Right? Just different engine management and detail detail changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, we had a CGT and an LFA, because V10s, which, which are two, fives, two inline fives running simultaneously. Yeah. 
Um, and leaving out Gallardo. Gallardo doesn't stack against those two. I Not suppose. against those two, but Gallardo, remember Gallardo had an even fire V10 at the five liter V10 at the beginning and an odd fire V10 at the end. So I was doing some research trying to figure out exactly. And I, I hope there are some musicians in here who will scream at me in the comments. Please don't scream. Um, I can't, I can't, I'm musically illiterate. It's the strangest thing. I play piano. Did, I played my whole childhood and I sort of faked my way through, through all the lessons and fooled everyone. And no one realized I'm musically illiterate. You can, I can sound it out. I can, you see someone who's basically illiterate. If, you know, if they're reading text, they can sound out a word. And that's how I am with music. I can, I see the notes and I'm like, every good boy does F fine. <laughs> it's, I, it's so terrible. Um, but I was doing, I was trying to figure out what it is about five cylinder engines that sound so different than anything else. And, um, the, 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 it's a harmony. What we're looking at is a harmonic, right? So, if you go from a one cylinder, if you have an, a base mechanical noise running at the speed of the engine, and then you have one that's running 12 times more quickly, um, that is, you know, the cylinder is firing, uh, that's a V12, that it winds up being an octave. So you have an engine that is making two notes that are a full octave apart, and you can play with them from there, and obviously there are other modifying factors. Um, a six cylinder car would be half of that, half an octave, and three cylinder car would be half of that. The only one that's outside of that is a five cylinder which is a perfect fifth and a perfect fifth would be that is is five notes is the difference between twinkle and twinkle and little twinkle twinkle no it's twinkle and twinkle anyway five cylinders are harm, harmonizing with themselves is basically hmm. what, what we're having so you have a perfect fifth or a perfect tenth and a perfect tenth on top of that for v10 um and that's why they sound they have this sort of haunting musical note that's not it's never discordant because in other than a than an octave or half an octave the most common interval that you'll see in in music is a fifth um and so i really wish i had one day i'll do an icons episode on a, on a v10 or a five if five song and then really have time to dig down into this and inter interview some music and acoustic people because i find this so fascinating but there's no mistaking a five or ten for yes, anything else that no, is 100 true yeah, where sometimes you can hear a flat plane V8 and think for a second, oh, is that a 12? No, it's a V8. A flat plane V8 to me sounds like a four-cylinder. I mean, it is technically two four-cylinders running simultaneously. Um, and so, for example, 308 GT4 sounds just like a four-cylinder. In the car, it sounds a little bit different because it's double the amount of background weird stuff that doesn't come through on video. But yeah, they are very much four-cylinder. And in that, a, five, a V10 is two five-cylinders. So you could conceivably fool someone into thinking you're you're in a V10 when you're in a five cylinder, just not you know telling. Oh, I'm only revving it out to five thousand RPM. Um, best sounding five cylinders. There weren't all that many. Yeah, there's not that many. You have the Volvo and the Volkswagen and a bunch of Audis. There was a VR5 too. Don't forget. Yeah. So it's a two on one side and three on the other. Mm -hmm. VR6 with one cylinder lopped off. And so you get that same guttural what, on, a, what, on top of a five-cylinder noise. What car did that go in? Vento, Bora. So not Jettas, in the U.S. Not in the U.S. Mm -hmm. I've um, never heard this thing. They're, they sound like a five-cylinder. The Audi five-cylinder has a burble to it. Um, yeah, you know and that. you and all the spicy ones that are you always think of as iconic are all turbocharged. Yeah, there's never a naturally aspirated version of those things. Is Sorry, there? I have to pick my nose. I think you have to cut that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you're gonna have to cut that, pal. Yeah, I would. I'd appreciate that. Um, all of you said something. They're all turbocharged. All the all the mm. Audi um, exhaust noises that you're used to hearing that are iconic yeah. are all turbocharged because they never made a spicy naturally aspirated. Yeah, five true. Cylinder. Even VW didn't when they put the five cylinder in the Mark Fives. Um, interesting. Yeah, that was NA, but it was hundred. So it's like power. when you hear the you know rally cars, or when they put that motor in Trans Am, and then they put it in uh, IMSA. Also, all those cars are all turbocharged, and yeah. those are ten ten valve ones ten too. Almost all of them. Yeah, all of them because the, the twenty valve was one of those one of those times where the engine didn't sound worse when you put more valves in it often they do there's a smoothness that you typically get from two valve per cylinder relatively low compression cars i mean to me just like sitting around listening to group b or when they ran the 200 in trans am is just like uh it's the best the 
leaving puddles. They sound, sound really good. They sound really good. But um, so the contest really comes down to LFA versus CGT. For me, from outside the car, they are pretty damn close. So you've driven both also. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, so there's stri- no contest in reality when you interact with the two cars. Well, we'll tell them. Don't tell. Don't everybody knows this. I think. No, I think this is no wide, widely this. known information. You've definitely said it before. Okay, but most people don't drive. And this was the first time even I'd driven them back to back, which was really tough. But the, the thing is that the difference is so stark, you don't have to drive them back to back. Like Okay, so let's start from the outside. Because so the, the, the Lexus V10 is a 72 degree bank angle with perfectly even firing cylinders and equal length headers. What is 72 times five? I don't know. 360. 360, yeah. It's fucking early. I only had that one coffee. Also, suck at math. Anyway, um, yes. Uh, so that is a perfect, perfectly even firing order car. So it should be smoother than the Carrera GT. Which is how many? 68 degrees. I looked everywhere. I cannot find any documentation on the CGT's motor to find out whether it has offset crank pins. Because you can offset. That's a very small... I mean, 72 is where the engine wants to be. It's 68. So you would have four degrees on either side. So you have a total of eight degree offset between the, did I do that right? Yes. Between the cylinders, uh, between, between the throws of the, of the pistons. And I can't find a single picture anywhere on the internet of a Carrera GT crankshaft. I can't find any documentations. My, there's in the parts diagram, Porsche's parts diagram, there's a drawing and there's no, there's no line where there would be for a split crank pin. So I can only assume that the CGT's engine is actually slightly odd firing. Now, again, four degrees is not a huge amount, but it's enough that it should give the car a little bit more complexity um, into its exhaust note. So if you hear, for example, sorry, we're going to have to do an insert on this, uh, the difference between an even fire five liter uh, Lamborghini motor and a 5.2, we'll play it now. That five liter is smoother to me. It's just a happier noise. And the five, the five two is a little bit discordant, mm-hmm. which adds complexities and resonances in it. I actually like the even fire one a little bit better. Um, and I expected that from CGT. So I expect the LFA to be a perfect, and then the CGT to be like, you know, more guttural. It's the other way around. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And you know that, I mean, you've, you've heard them both from the outside. Uh, I have heard them more from the inside than the outside. What a twat. All right. So from the outside, it's the other way around. And I think the reason why is what Anthony, my right-hand man on all the productions we do, he and I call a kazoo effect. So like the M4 GTS had this last gen M4 GTS where you hear the bass engine sound coming out of the exhaust, but actually you're listening to the muffler as a resonance box. Yes. The walls of the muffler are actually resonating. And there's a lot of tuning that went into the LFA's exhaust. And I think... That's what you're hearing is the exhaust itself, the outside walls of the muffler resonating with the engine and creating a secondary. Mm. It would surprise me to not at all. Well, yes, the intake is. We haven't gotten there yet. Paolo, Paolo down. Good boy. Um. Um, So yes, that the character that the net result of all that to me is the. uh, (laughs) Thank God Paolo's laughing. Didn't come over here and bite me. Uh, By the way, Paolo's a dog. <laughs> yes, that's the that's the thing sit, that we've Paolo, been sit. that dog. we've been hiding all this time is that it's all it's it's just me and, and Jason. And Listen, dog. we have to fill. You know, we we really only supposed to make these podcasts a half an hour, but they always want to be an hour. We have to fill it with banter. We could have just started the episode by saying, "Well, it's better better sounding." Sorry, sorry. He's got to edit this shit. No, he's got a vested interest in making this shorter. I see what he's doing. He's he just wants us to fast forward to the end uh yes right anyhow so i mean unsurprisingly because of the role of yamaha in the the development of the noises that come out of the lfa it's just much more musical and sort of coherent and cleaner it's like a how can i explain this perfectly tuned piano or violin versus one that's just yeah not that just is existing and there's an intentionality to it and the result is very clean it's, it feels clean to me in a way that like and and very minimalist almost there's everything that is there is the music and there's no extraneous junk that's not contributing to music dolby noise reduction c sure 
Do you remember DNR? Do you remember Dolby noise reduction on your cassette player? Oh, no. <laughs> Did you, do you know what a cassette is? Yes, yes. I have many cassettes. Okay. I actually bought a Blaupunkt cassette player yesterday for my new car. Okay, so what Dolby Noise Reduction did was when you were recording with Dolby Noise Reduction on, it would boost the frequencies that were most likely to have noise. Like, for example, the treble that got all the hiss on tapes. Mm -hmm. That was the problem. And it would boost the treble tremendously. And then when you played it back, it would cut that back down to where it was supposed to be. And that would mask the hiss. Mm. Um, And so that's basically what what I think you're explaining what Lexus did was they just minimized all of the noises you didn't want and really amplified the stuff you did. Whereas the impression you get listening to the Porsche is that or knowing how they engineered that car. They like, were like, the car it. performs beautifully. Yeah, it's a fucking Le Mans engine. Throw it in and shut up. Yeah, right. exactly. Um, I loved getting the two cars together and realized that I think there's an 800 pound weight difference between the two of them. It's massive. Really? 500, pound, 500 pounds. Uh, yeah, in favor of the Carrera GT. Yeah, 3,200 pounds versus 3,700 pounds. 3,700. It was a lot. Either way. Uh, um yeah, the CGT sounds just ridiculous. We are ready. So good. Um, but it only revs to 8,500. Only. Well, the LFA revs to 96. Well, it's kind of hard to get there because the transmission doesn't want to let you yes. do it. But the limiter is 9,600. Jesus. And so you have that. You know, that perfect even firing interval with equal length headers and then 9,600 or 95 or 9,000 or whatever it is. So we're getting to the meat. Not to mention so the... in the car, you thing. say there's absolutely no contest. And if we disagree about this, we're going yes. to have to pause the episode, beat the shit out of each other and come back. There's no way. There's only one answer here. A person without ear holes. No, no, no. There is a, there's no way. There's only one answer here. Like a person without ear holes maybe would conclude that the Carrera GT sounds better, but every other person should conclude decisively, without question. Even if it's been five years since you last drove a Carrera GT, you drive an LFA and you're just like, this is the best sounding noise that has ever been put inside of a car. totally wanted to disagree with you just so we could have a fight on the air uh but there's no yeah chance. but i would ha- i would have to re- uh, return my car enthusiast card if i yeah. if i felt otherwise yeah there's there is absolutely no contest it's a little i mean it's the inside of a courage gt is a little bit like gravelly and dump trucky and like industrial <laughs> process sounding I think well, Paolo, no, Paolo if, just passed if, out over there. If you if you like rev it at idle or something like that, it's just like it's just <clears throat> noise. <clears throat> yeah, it's just, yeah. The the crazy it, thing about the CGT is from outside it's really? and then inside it's you're like that's that's eight thousand that's eight thousand again doesn't it doesn't it's 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 good. And if you hadn't experienced an LFA, then you'd be like, it's very good. Yeah. But then you experience the LFA and it's just, it's like uh, people make this, I'm not much of a drinker, but people make this comparison with alcohol where if like the difference between cheap alcohol and expensive alcohol. Is that hangover? Is there, no. <laughs> well, yes. But in this case, it's like sort of the distilledness, right? All you're getting is the purity and none of the like junk. And mm. that's like I said this already about the car, but there's a sort of cleanness to the noise of the LFA, which is just makes it unreal. It is. It does actually seem unreal in that it's too perfect. If I had one criticism of it, it's a little bit too perfect. Yeah, um, too too smooth, too devoid mm-hmm. of texture. However, <laughs> it doesn't matter what you're listening to it. Yeah, it is still. It's also multiple octaves lower than the exhaust. Same sort of situation. It's much much lower, but it's probably twice the frequency of. of it apparently also depends where you're sitting in the car. You've heard. Really well. 
So what they do is they, by design, they put holes in the firewall to transmit certain frequencies. And then they made the, the whole airbox is made like a, it's a resonant chamber with actually these ribs in it that get excited at certain frequencies that create the noises oh, mine were all at excited. the number of hertz that human ears like to hear. And so they de- they designed it like you would design a guitar or a violin, which is that it's a space that has sound bouncing around in it. And then it's transmitting those into the car. And they transmit the high frequency ones at like head ear level. And then the lower frequency ones were piped into the footwells so that you would get lower frequencies coming from lower in the car. You, you didn't I need to cover this? No, I need to oh, borrow your you, book. You have the uh, book. I don't No, I, It's actually in a video, oh. a documentary video. Uh, anyway, they have all these diagrams of all this happening, but they, it's all designed. I mean, the whole car is designed as a musical instrument, mm-hmm. effectively. Yeah. Uh, and that's just the intake part. That's which, why it's so which, heavy. It's actually a piano component. <laughs> yes. There's actually a grand piano inside, which you cannot see. But With the guy playing it. it. Uh, he's, I'm playing a perfect fifth and a perfect tenth at the same time. <laughs> so... Um. Yeah, that's, I mean, the intentionality and the thoughtfulness. And that's the thing to me that makes the LFA so special is that the car was, every aspect of the car was designed in that way to, with that level mm-hmm. of intentionality and that type of attention to detail to the experience. And it's, it's really representative of the Japanese philosophy about doing most things, about whether that's tea ceremonies or whatever. There's just this really intense attention to detail and focus on perfection uh, and that car is a... Would you say a relentless pursuit of, of perfection? perfection? <laughs> Perhaps. I'm sorry. Perhaps. I bet that was written by some American person too. Who was sick of dealing with the, with the Japanese's <laughs> the Japanese relentless who's pursuit. Who's like, how do I put the annoying nature of the <laughs> internal memos into a tag phrase? Fucking leave us alone. It's good enough. It's a Camry. <laughs> and they're like, no, it is not perfect. Yeah. You must continue it until it is perfect. Uh, and so the the LFA really drips with that. Yeah, it uh, the only th- I, I I love the way it looks, and the uh, but I can't with that transmission. Yes, I no, can't. I mean it's it's garbage. It lets the whole whole car down. I mean, it is. What is the best thing I can say about it? Is a it relief is, from perfection. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is at least now a period thing. Right. So yes. now you go back in time and you're like, okay. And there's brutality and mm-hmm. brutality has been eliminated in large part from cars. And it is the counterpoint to the complaints that we often make about modern Ferraris mm-hmm. or McLarens that are sort of like feeling like video games. Yeah. The transmission of the LFA, and it's not just the feelings that it transmits to the occupants, but the noises, like the fact that you can hear all the shift actuators and all that happening, and like it's coming from behind you. You're like, oh, this is definitely a transaxle mm-hmm. back there, and there's like someone in there banging about. That's what always fucks me up when I get in one of these cars, because when you start it, and there's more noise coming from behind you than there is front, because it's exhaust that you're mm-hmm. hearing. And then you go to engage a gear, and you hear the, the actuators right yeah. behind you. And I'm like, okay mid-engine car like my brain says mid-engine car and then i hit the gas and all of a sudden the intake noise is coming from the front i'm so confused it is genuinely a yes because there's mechanical components all around you yeah Uh, you're in the violin you're actually in the little wooden piano but yeah yeah. whatever it is i don't care um but uh yeah so it was interesting the we we this this drag race episode we did we concentrated a bit on sound so we made our sound guys life miserable um we did some flybys to see which one's louder. You'll see that in the video. Um, you know, because loudness is, for better or worse, one of the key points in a car sounding good. It could sound great, but if it's too quiet, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of doesn't get people's attention. Um, but we did. We used um, uh, a Genesis GV60, which is an electric SUV, as a chase car. Um, so my goal is always, like, how could we have a drone basically follow a car down the quarter-mile track and always be 25 feet from the exhaust or 30 feet from the exhaust? So you get the full sound uh, without a Doppler effect, so we can cut that in and then, you know, have a fixed microphone at the halfway mark for a Doppler sound. But there's always there's a ton of sound design that goes in these videos because at the end of the day, if you want the car wow experience, you can go to car wow and get, you know, a bunch of guys dicking about and they put 50 GoPros on a camera and go for it, uh, 50 GoPros on a car and go for it. And it's fun and nothing against them, but we're trying to do something different. And so we're trying to faithfully recreate what you hear and what you experience both inside and outside the car. And that's a lot of work. Um, but this one was fun to watch, um, the sound guy. But so we used a GV60 as a chase card. And it was so fucking funny watching this big white marshmallow shaped, it's gorgeous, but big boys marshmallow shaped SUV 
have to the throttle s- back. Yeah, to keep I was just gonna <laughs> say, isn't it, what what your they're your, about the same speed. Your drag the race video that one just came out a couple weeks ago, and it was like three something to sixty. Three seven, yeah. Three yeah. Three seven three. No, I think that was three eight. Whatever it was, it's fucking fast. And uh, I had that car driving it through through LA for a couple for a day. And it's got a boost button, which I wish it didn't have. I wish it just gave you full power. Um, but it w- <laughs> I didn't realize this. The Willow Springs track surface must be grippier than most piece- pieces of normal pavement. Road noise? No. Light- it lights up all four. In the- and at 25 mile an hour roll, you're like, oh, I'm going to get that motherfucker. Like you got somebody next to you and you you know you have to cut them off before the- your lane ends. And you boost. You hit boost. And as long as you're off the throttle, you get 10. You know, you do 10 seconds once you're on the throttle. And every single time lights up all four and goes. And it's the it's like funniest fucking thing. Car. It's just complete silence. And people look at you like you've just killed half the population of a small country. I mean, they're just absolute horror because on their it's face. Uns- unsociable. I have, well, I have no idea where the hell it just came from. <laughs> what is going into marshmallow that just did a four wheel rolling burnout? It is so fucking fast. Um, but it's a perfect chase car uh for for getting sound it only works up to about you know 100 miles an hour or so wind and with tire wind, noise yeah wind just becomes an issue but so we mount we have we've five different ways we collect audio but we did inside and out and i will say the iphone recordings that i made of the inside of the lfa do not do it justice whatsoever i you just i hope i haven't heard the actual recordings from our sound guy we um, have many too do you you're gonna have to play them um i hope it does it justice because there is nothing like that nothing yeah i'm trying to think if that no the answer to that question is no i mean maybe a race car of some kind i don't know it wouldn't be as clean it wouldn't be as sort of distilled and the whole um, idea of race car right and the whole idea of race cars is always a wonderful fantasy but not a great reality race cars are terrible yes when you drive a race car on the street like that 962 was the best example like you know we all think oh this is race car Race cars are not about the feeling of them. They're about speed. And often it's miserable. Yes. You can't well, because see you're not using it in the right environment. The right environment is a perfectly smooth track where you're driving it flat out. If you're doing anything other than th- both of those conditions being met, then it's not a happy camper. Even that. I mean, the things that are important on the road are just not important on the track. And, you know, horrible vibrations and yes. terrible heat, you know, yes. heat issues in the cabin just don't matter when the only goal is going quickly. Yes. And steering That's why field. I was so pleased about the F40 because it's not like that. And you think it's going to be. I need to drive one. I totally need to drive one. I should do a drag race show with that, but who's going to let me do like 8,000 RPM sidestep clutch dumps in their mid-engine turbocharged F40? It's got to be someone, anyone in the comments, let me know. <laughs> now, shameless plug I mean, plug I've section. been offered, offered to use that. It's just abusive on the cars. Yeah, um, that's not the right environment Yeah, but for I that just, car. I just it's not the place to use that car. Fine, give me a place to use it. I'll, I want one. Yeah, it's... I want to look at one. I, want, I, I have 288 GTO, same powertrain. I loved that. Yeah. Uh, It sounded great. So that's a flat plane V8. That sounds good, but it's all the turbo noises. Turbo noises. Yeah. And I hate turbos, but. mm. And that car, I'm okay with it because I'm not feeling like I'm missing that much because I don't like the flat plane noises. So then you add turbo noises and I actually like it better with a turbo because then you get the like, and the, the drama of turbo noises. Yeah. I agree. On that shoot for a different episode, we had an original LS 400. Have you spent any time in that? Uh, not in decades. A lot of, there were probably like two of my friend's parents had them when I was a kid. Uh, and so I remember the gauges really blowing oh, Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So we have this LS 400 here and it shows up and it's in the garage. So we kept it, you know, we keep all the old cars we keep in covered from sun as long as we can. So we're not using them. And at the end of the day, I'm like, where, did, did the LS show up? You know, we typically... We do two or three Was episodes. Was it like a minty time. low mileage car? 90,000 90, miles? Between 90 and 100, somewhere around there. Um, and apparently the guy, I didn't interact with his owner at all, but everything that I was told was that he was like the coolest guy in the world. And he had a bunch of them. This one, his dad bought new and then passed away and he's just preserving. So I opened the door of, this, of the, one of the garages and there it is. And I thought it was black, but it's green. It's jade. Mm. So it's like this guy, it's like basically black with green first metallic first gen. It's a 94. Oh, so late first gen. Late first gen. Um, And I get in it and I run the key, the key. Okay. Which, well, you had probably the real LFA key. uh, Yeah. The carbon one. 
Yes. Because then there's a, like a little doofy spare key, which looks exactly like the LS400 key. But the LS400 key looks like a regular Lexus key, but it had the button. Mm-hmm. This like I don't I have a really hard time explaining to people how much of a fucking mind blow this was in 1990. Right. I, I assume it came out that. Right. So everyone in the late 80s and early 90s who had remote keyless entry, they were still figuring this technology out. So, for example, Peugeot and Mercedes used infrared. So did uh, Citroën. I learned of that course. with the CX. Oh. So you have to point it at you the point car like thing. a remote. But in the CX, it's inside the car. In the, so the Peugeot is the mirror. It was yeah. the rearview mirror. My mom had a Peugeot 505 and she never used it because in broad sunlight, it didn't work. At night, you can unlock the car from across the fucking planet. <laughs> but it, at night, and it, it was just a kind of an emerging technology and the remote, remember remember your 129? Yeah, like, it's got a switchblade, an early switchblade key. Yeah, they were huge. They were enormous. This Lexus has a normal key fob with a tiny little button on it and it looks no different than a regular key, but it unlocks it via radio mm-hmm. from across the park. It was so brilliant. So I'm like, oh my God, everyone look at the key. And they're all like, and... And I'm like, look at the size of a modern car key and how bulky and annoying it is. And look at this tiny little dainty thing. And then, doink, and they're like, oh shit, that has remote keyless in it. Anyway, and then it was all about the gauges. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you don't understand. It's got holograms in it. And, and it's like completely black. And then you turn it on and you're just like, and, and the I remember like even, I don't know, my dad had like a 2001 Audi A6. And I remember getting into an LS after driving around in that car. And I was like, these gauges are so much cooler than a car that is 10 years newer and And like very contemporary. And it was all because it had a a wake up procedure that we'd never seen before. Yeah. Which is now like. De rigueur. Yes, exactly. To use one of your words. I was going to say that. (laughs) I was going to say that. Yeah. How would you have pronounced that? Nice try. No, seriously. (laughs) Would you have just said de rigueur? But you would do it with a French accent because I feel like that's something you can type. You can be like, and this Citroën has something that is now de rigueur, but I don't know how to say it in English. I don't know if you say that. De rigueur? De rigueur? Like rigor mortis? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Um, But yeah, so, uh, well, obviously we've probably already shown a video insert of this, but the fact that you turn the key and then the, was it the needles come on first, then the gauges rise up. But do you know how the holograms work? No. I finally figured this out. So in the middle of the, uh, all of the warning lights are floating six inches below the surface of the, uh, of the gauges. So it's this 3D hologram effect. And I never quite figured out how it worked until I started looking. So on the upper hood of the gauge cluster are all these lights. And all it is is them reflected. It's reflected in the outer blackout plastic. That's all it is. Wow. Fuck. Simple. Genius. Genius. And it just looks like a million bucks. It looked like the future. And I it's so weird it to me. It does. I thought so too. But the whole crew was like, man, they're gauges. And I'm like, get video of this. And they're looking at me like I'm crazy. Like these are genuinely the coolest gauges. Children ever. and they're used to all the crazy shit we have Anthony's now. Anthony's the same age as you are. I don't understand what that I guess it's all you're a couple of years apart. I don't understand. My it. spirit age is considerably older. Yeah. But I think you must have I think the difference is you probably Maybe what the difference is anyways. You experienced them in period and he yes. didn't. Yes. They were, I mean, that car but was But even so when they were 10 years old, it knocked my socks off when right. I experienced them yeah. when I was in like high school. Maybe it is now that everything does the dance where lights come on first. Yeah, everything the gauges do, do a sweep. full sweep. Yeah, that was, they don't do a sweep on the, the, the Alexis, but they do wake up after everything else is done. So the first thing you get is the hologram, you get the, the needles, the background, the hologram, and then the, ga- the gas gauge goes boink. Mm-hmm. And wakes up, and that was amazing. That yeah. car is spectacular to this day. I think dynamically it's not that remarkable, but that's not where the appeal of that car lies. I can't believe that any V8-powered 250-horsepower car is so fucking slow. I, I I have asked one of my one of our coworkers. Does it have like a a 210 rear end or something i think it's a it's an 0.6 to one rear end i asked one of our coworkers who also has he's got a 1990 or 90 90 or 91 ls to send me please an acceleration video because i want to know if something's wrong with this car they're first, like eight eight and a half seconds right? that's what the but this one first gear's red line is six is 52 or 54 miles an hour and then second is an 80 something mile an hour gear it's four and speeds four speed and the just getting from idle to 4,000 where the engine really wakes up. This is why, why I kind of wonder if this car maybe had, you know, has like a valve timing issue or something. 
was painful. And so <laughs> we're filming and Anthony's like, yeah, all right, I've never driven one. Oh, really? Oh yeah, you should. He was like, I need you to run up really quickly. And I'm like, I can't, I'm floored keeping up with the camera car in a straight line. Like, like this, there's, there's no stunts happening here with this thing. And he's like, he didn't understand it. I'm like, do you understand? I'm fucking trying everything I can. Slow the camera car down. Slow as shit. Mm. Um, but, but as a car, mag, I just couldn't believe. And so to be able to have an LFA and an LS400 on the same day in the same space was just really cool. LFA has also got amazing cages. Because yes, the, because the thing the moves. Slidey. Yeah, the, the little slidey thing moves. Had me fooled for so many years. I thought it was two displays. Oh, it's just you know, it's, it's a, just it, it's just a, a a metal or metalized yeah, you can plastic hear, thing. Hear the thing moving. You can watch it move and act, and the screen behind it moves with it. But it's a it's actually just the graphics changing. Mm-hmm. That was genius. Yeah, that was the first time we'd seen anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, was that the first di- fully digital gauge cluster on a car? I mean, this is they, your area of expertise, not I mean, mine. In the day, Lexus certainly made made the bullshit argument that they had to go digital because no analog gauge gauge could keep up with the rate at yeah. which it. Meanwhile, you get into like a nine eighteen Spider, which has less flywheel than that, or a CGT, and yeah. and the, the gauge moves as fast as the engine, uh, and the LFA's gauge actually lags behind. <laughs> So that was that was the, one of those marketing departments. Like people think this cool, and the, the and the engineers I mean, are probably like repeated lore. Yeah, and it the engineers were probably like, oh god, that's such bullshit. Fine, whatever. Um, but it does have more flywheel than the uh, than the CGT. Carrera GT well, is yes. insane. You just touch the gas. Boom. Yes, and then everyone complains about how hard those cars are to drive. They are the not. I know you just have to have the right technique. I did, so I had never heard any of that, and I drove one. This is going to say how long ago I drove one. I was it, we were asking two hundred and twenty thousand dollars for it. So that was fifty percent ago. Uh, yeah. What? Well, one hundred percent of its value. How much are they now? Uh, one two to one eight. That was just my brain exploding. Yeah. They are. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing I know this now after I just drove it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. They're I thoroughly they were still like, five to like low, like low mileage, meaning like 500 or less. Those are like $2 million. <sighs> oh my God. Okay. So you drove one when they were quarter million dollars. I drove one so when they were, were it was, we were asking 220 for it. And uh, nobody, there was no lore about there. It was just a used car. It was like probably the highest mileage one in existence. It had 18,000 miles on it. Uh, and this was in 2010. So the car was like five years old. And, uh, I just got in it and drove it. And then I was like, oh, I like this car better now that I've driven it. Before mm-hmm. I wasn't that enthusiastic about the Courage GT. And then I drove it and I was like, okay, I like this. I see the appeal. It's it's exciting. It's an experience. Uh, and then I didn't really think about Courage GTs again for like another decade. Uh, and then everybody started like losing it over Courage GTs in the last three or four years. Uh, and everyone was like, they're so hard to drive. And I was like, I don't have a recollection of it being hard to drive. I drove it. I, dr- I drove it the way that I, I drive every manual car. That's not a race car which is I let the clutch out until things start to happen and then I add enough gas to keep it f- keep the revs from exceeding 1000 or from from not stalling and not exceeding 1000 rpm. Right. Uh, and the car is perfectly fine and easy to drive if you drive it exactly like that. And I and when everyone's like it's it's hard to drive I was like what are you talking about? What are you on about? The internet says you have to not touch the gas pedal because it has programming built in to allow you f- to launch that way. I disagree with the internet. I think it has an idle stabilizer circuit <laughs> that is helping it. And okay, it won't stall, but most modern cars won't stall if you let the clutch out slowly enough. What the problem is, it has so little flywheel that when it stalls, it gives out without a fight. I mean, it just, yeah, it goes is, zoop, zoop, just off. down to zero. Right. Um, but it's, it's an easy to modulate clutch and it's one of the best shifters I've ever felt or interacted with in any car mm-hmm. ever. Um, and unlike, for example, like the Ferrari stuff, um with like an f430 manual has no no flywheel i see that you just almost vomited you you did the i oh. swallowed it <laughs> i swallowed the thank vomit. you for not spraying me with unsweetened green tea vomit um those are really really difficult to drive smoothly and frankly a lot of work because the revs drop so quickly that unless you shift as quickly as you possibly can you'll never catch the revs on the downstream. correct and the shift effort is high enough mm-hmm. in those cars that you don't want to slam it through gears and so it works best for the sort of i, I watch sometimes when people drive and they just slam the cars through gears mm-hmm. and i and i die inside when i watch people do that but it 
that is kind of the most effective way to drive one of those cars a 430 blip it in between the shift yeah or or blip it you have to without double clutching just blip it Mm -hmm. rev match it Mm -hmm. so yeah i I don't it's not a very harmonious experience to drive one of those cars everybody has you know these immense skyscraper sized erections for those cars (laughs) and i like driving (laughs) you've got Paolo on this (laughs) (laughs) jesus and on that note uh, <laughs> and it, the, uh, I mean, I will never miss an opportunity to shit on modern Ferraris. Um, clearly, I like I, I F12s, but but the experience of driving one of those cars, it you, it never becomes uh, instinctive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're working I mean, around if you spent, it a, if you spent enough time, maybe it would become instinctive because you would just uh, I you did would accommodate yourself to it. You, I you, did. you force the car forces you to adapt to it exactly. instead of it feeling natural and effortless and harmonious like you know, a modern Porsche GT is, is great at this or Miatas are great at this. A driver's cars, you should never have to drive around anything. They should work with you. And that is one, of, I did get used to it. So I put a ton of miles on that, that Stratos. The blue one, yeah. And I, I adore the car. That was one thing that irritated, <coughs> sorry, irritated me, and I, but I got over it. You can work around it, but it's not, uh, it's I mean, not you have, It's like an old car in the sense right. that you're like, this is this characteristic the car has and you just have to work adjust. around it. Yeah. Uh, CGT is not like that. It just all works together really, mm-hmm. really well. I wish I could interact directly with the engine in an LFA the way that you can mm-hmm. in CGT. Yeah. And I think that would be, I mean, what are those things worth now? Which? LFA? Seven. I think they'd be worth three times that if it was a manual. Um, they made 500 of them versus how versus many CGTs? 1270, I think, if I remember correctly, maybe it's 13 something. I forget. Anyway, it's, it's like 1270, I think 1273 pops in my head. Yeah. It's between a thousand and 1500. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I think that math tracks actually. Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, okay. Well, I think we are finished on episode number 71. This was 70. This was 70. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is some hoopla this morning. Episode 69 went live and uh, it was are, misnumbered. Well, it was misnumbered first, but that's not people were and really we, commenting. We missed an opportunity to make a skyscra- skyscraper sized erection joke during episode 69. Isn't that the funniest thing you could do is just not acknowledge the 69 thing as, as your way of. Well, I tried to make up for it this episode. Okay. Well, Derek and his in, enormous skyscraper sized erection will be back next week on episode number 71 of the Carmudgeon Show, which is part of the Haggerty Podcast Network. Still, again. Join us next week when we clap. <laughs>